Hi, and welcome to Awake, a Sleeping Beauty audiobook podcast based on the YA fantasy novel of the same name, Awake, by Holly Gary. Thanks for joining us. Let's get into the story. Chapter 15 The climb was long and steep, but at least there was a clear path, a winding driveway to the top. On another day, I might have turned to admire the view of the sea behind us, or paused to look at the foliage, the flowers and trees that grew there. Today, I just marched resolutely forward. We made slow progress, all of us so tired. It rained on us intermittently. The chill I'd felt at the station hadn't left me. It was a cold, cold day for summer, unnaturally so and it seeped into my bones. We reached the top after 30 or 40 minutes of climbing. The building in front of us was squat and square and brown, distinctly unwelcoming. The top of the hill still bore the scars of a battle four years past. There were remnants of a wall, built by the Germans, surely, that had once blocked off the building. There was gravel and rubble, and the only brush across the top of the ridge seemed to have grown back just recently. There were various lookout stations scattered around across the building. There was a jeep sitting out front, but no sign of life. It's a fort, said Amede. It must be. It's a perfect position, so high up, looking out over the sea. A voice behind us said, Good job, little princeling. We all three whipped around. A woman had appeared out of nowhere. I had never seen her before, but I knew instantly that this was Ipome. She had a wicked smile, black eyes, and long black hair. She was incongruously dressed in modern clothes, black trousers, and a black button-up shirt. I thought to myself that her true form when she wasn't hiding behind the Dom Blanche or the Ancou, reflected her corrupt soul perfectly. Then I remembered that this wasn't her true form. What had Hyacinth said about his? Blue and genderless? She was oddly beautiful, nonetheless. All of this flew through my head quickly as we stood and faced her. She laughed. <laughs> you found me! Well done. Now we can have a little fun. Her laugh sent chills up and down my spine. I didn't want to know what her version of fun would be. My mind kept racing. What to do? But I couldn't take my eyes off her. I felt Amede move closer to me. He was trembling. I took his hand, and Rémy did the same on the other side. I suppose that Amede had last seen her just before she put him to sleep. She laughed again. Her laughter was high and light, like silvery bells. She said to Amede, Aha! You're mine at last. No protector to save you now. I can do what I please with you. A breeze blew around us, ruffling Amede's hair like a caress. Such a pretty face, she said, sing-song. Let's see what it looks like when I'm done with you. 
We won't let you hurt him, I said, firmer and braver than I really felt. I've faced you before. Now she turned on me, her smile disappearing. I watched as she made herself taller, looming over us. How well I remember, she hissed. But now you're all alone. No fairy friend to help you. Her black eyes shot sparks at me. He's abandoned you, hasn't he? He liked you well enough as long as you were doing his bidding. But when he saw you had a mind of your own, he was done with you. Wasn't he? Her words stabbed at my heart, because she was right. If Hyacinth had ever cared for me, he didn't anymore, because I hadn't done what he wanted. Oh, darling, her voice turned syrupy, pitying. Why did you think such a powerful, magical creature could ever love someone like you? Plain, unremarkable, unaccomplished, nothing like your sister. That isn't true, Remy shouted. She ignored him. Has he ever told you about all his lovers? She was still addressing me, still talking about Hyacinth. My stomach roiled, and her eyes glittered with malice and amusement. So many have known him, but you never will. I've known him. I've held him in my arms. I've been naked with him. Every word pierced me. I shut my eyes against the images. We've moved together until our bodies became one, and we did it a hundred, a thousand times, and you'll never know the ecstasy of being with him. She's lying! Remy yelled. That was enough to snap me out of my trance. Her words had held me still, ill and heartbroken. Now I came back to myself enough to wonder why she was just standing there talking when she could be obliterating us with her dark magic. She'd leveled a town. She could kill us easily. Then I realized that the words themselves were laced with magic. They'd hypnotized me, filled me up, frozen me in place, and broken my resolve. Now it came back, full force, with a burst of adrenaline, I ran towards the only tool at our disposal, the jeep. She'd turned on Remy after his outburst. Lying, am I, little one? On the contrary, it's true. I believed that, unfortunately, but I couldn't let it stop me. You are little, aren't you? Poor Remy, she said. The youngest child but the only son. You should have had a glittering life, all the adventure and romance of the Chevalier of old. You would have, wouldn't you, two or three centuries ago? And now, what do you have? A decaying castle? A meaningless title? You'll have to work for your living just like everyone else does. Were these really the things my brother worried about? Maybe. She'd guessed my insecurities correctly. Some of them, anyway. 
Don't listen to her, Remy. I yelled. I jumped into the jeep. I had only driven a car once in my life. Uncle Bernard had taught me a little a few years ago, but I was going to have to learn a lot more very quickly. Fortunately, the key was still in the ignition. I turned it, and the beast roared to life. The wind howled. I called out to the boys. Remy, Amede, get in. They ran to the jeep, barreling into the back seat. Ipame stayed where she was, evidently no more afraid of us than before. I hit the gas. She showed no fear as I sent the jeep careening straight into her, turning her to dust. She dissipated just like she had when she was the Onku, but it hadn't killed her then, and it probably wouldn't now. At least we had a getaway vehicle. I drove down the hill at breakneck speed, nearly wiping out around the curves of the driveway. We were nearing the bottom of the ridge when I heard her voice. It was in the hill, in the wind, everywhere. You can't run away from me, princeling. I can find you wherever you go. If you flee, Cherbo, do you think you'll ever find your lover? Do you think you'll ever find him anyway? I could hide him from you until the end of the world. Amede whimpered. My anger surged. Don't you listen to her, either. She doesn't know anything about Auguste, I said fiercely. She's trying to kill our will to fight. I stopped the jeep. What are you doing? said Remy. We can't get away. I was thinking out loud. She'll follow us, just as she said. We fight her now, or she rules our lives forever. We kill her, or she kills us. Can't she be killed? Remy asked. I remembered Hyacinth saying, Do you think human weapons can kill immortal beings such as us? Very few things can. I think so, I said. I just don't know how. Then we find out how, said Remy, resolute. I looked to Amede. His eyes were wide and scared, but he nodded. You're right. Let's do it. Ipame's laugh rang out all around us. Good choice, little ones. Come and find me. Do we drive back up? Remy asked. She won't be there, said Amede with conviction. She wants a game. She's going to be hiding from us. Her laughter rang out again, which seemed like a confirmation. We drove back up anyway, and Amede was right. She wasn't there anymore. I stared at the fort for a moment. What were we supposed to do? Drive right back down? Suddenly, I was furious. I turned to the boys and said, Lo, we aren't letting her make all the rules. We play by our rules. Then I called out. If you want us to play, you have to give us a clue as to where you are. There was an eerie quiet. No sound, but the distant crash of the sea and the sweep of wind across the hill. Then she began to sing. It was the same lullaby the Dom Blanche had sung in the forest. I realized I had miscalculated. Her singing 
would lead us astray. And I didn't have any beeswax this time. The boys already looked stupefied. I snapped my fingers a few times until they looked at me. We have to use her voice to find her, but don't listen to the words, all right? She'll hypnotize you. The melody itself was dangerous enough. I could already feel myself getting lightheaded. We might need to find her some other way. I grasped at lucidity. We couldn't lose our heads so quickly. We need to be louder than she is, I said. So I launched into La Marseillaise and sang as loudly as I could. Allons, enfants de la patrie! Amédée grimaced at me, but Rémy joined in. Le jour de gloire est arrivé! We kept going, and so did she. The cacophony was awful. We got out of the jeep and walked towards the voice. The sound seemed to be coming from behind the fort. Contre nous de la tyrannie, l'étendard sanglant élevé. We made our way around the building. When we finished the song, she stopped singing as well. What trick was this? Amede flashed me a pained look. I can't believe you know that song. What? I looked around, wondering what to do next. It's about killing aristocrats. Us. Oh, I'd sort of forgotten he'd lived through the revolution, on the losing side. Not these days, I said. It's more about killing Nazis. Killing evil fairies, Remy muttered. I'm rather surprised it survived all this time, said Amédée. I stopped abruptly. We had gone as far around the fort as we could, without tumbling down the rocky face of the ridge. Jumping sounds awfully fun, doesn't it? said Ipame, from far away. Now her voice sounded echoey and strange. No! I yelled, in case she had the ability to compel us to do that. It sounds like she's inside the hill, said Amede. Is that possible? There could be tunnels under the fort, said Remy. How do we find them? I asked. It was our only idea. A tunnel would have an entrance and an exit, said Remy. My guess is the entrance is inside the fort, and the exit is somewhere farther down the hill. I looked at the solid brick wall behind me. Going into the fort feels like a trap. Going into tunnels feels like a trap, said Amédée, and he had a point. We all just looked at each other. Someone had to decide something. So I said, let's look for the exit. As soon as we were back in the jeep, she started singing again. Rémy and I immediately restarted La Marseillaise, and after a moment, Amédé reluctantly joined in. I drove down the ridge, slowly, looking for anything that seemed to mark a tunnel. Her singing, I was trying not to listen, still sounded like it was coming from behind the rocky cliffs. This time, she didn't stop when our song ended. I tried to think of something else to sing. My mind flashed back to dancing with Amede and Lille. That felt like a lifetime ago. So I started belting out, Jean Tendré. J'attendrai le jour et la nuit. J'attendrai toujours 
ton retour. Again, Rémy joined me. And then I saw it. An entrance, or exit, to a tunnel, carved into the ridge. I stopped the jeep so abruptly that we all jolted forward. We didn't speak. We all just jumped out and headed for the tunnel. It was blocked by a few wooden sawhorses, easily moved. We peered inside. It was pitch black. There was nothing to do but enter. We proceeded carefully. We held hands and took slow, cautious steps so we wouldn't hurt ourselves. Her eerie voice echoed through the tunnel. She'd moved on to singing hymns, which seemed a bit blasphemous to me. Rémy took the lead this time. Quand il me prend dans ses bras, il me parle tout bas. I picked it up. Je vois la vie en rose. Ahead of us, something dark was looming. It wasn't human-shaped. It was too low to the ground. Had she taken a different form? But her voice still sounded far away. We came closer to it, and Rémy paused in singing to say, I think it's a cannon. He knelt and ran his hands along it. A German cannon left over from the war. There's a lot of stuff piled up here. Hold on. He pulled a match from his pocket, lit it, and held it above whatever he'd seen. Where'd that come from? I said. Why do you have matches? For smoking. You smoke? He grinned up at me. Amede took over singing, some old song I didn't recognize. His voice was thin and reedy, but plenty distracting. Definitely a cannon, Remy said loudly, over the top of Ipume and Amede. And parts of cannons, and gunpowder spilled everywhere, and something that looks like railroad spikes? Can any of that help us? We had no other weapons. My mind was at war. Were these a blessing, or a curse, or a trap? Maybe, said Remy. I've been thinking about what could kill magical creatures. Silver, right? And a stake through the heart? That's vampires, I said, annoyed. Or maybe holy water? We don't have any of that. Iron, fire, crosses? Or maybe regular water, like in The Wizard of Oz? That wasn't real, I snapped. We never thought any of this was real. He shot back, which shut me up. Anyway, this cannon's too heavy to move, but... He lit another match and set the gunpowder alight. Now we can see. Remy, I shrieked. It'll blow us all to bits. He gave me another cocky smile. It won't. Promise. It didn't. The fire illuminated the dirt walls and floor of the tunnel. It lit Amede and Remy and the pile of things he'd found. It cast strange, flickering shadows over everything. Between the fire and Ipame's high, horrible voice, I felt like we were in hell. Do you have any more matches? I asked my brother. Yes. Then when we find her, we'll try fire first. The boys started walking again, and I paused to pick up one of the railroad spikes Remy had spotted. 
It was better than no weapon at all. Moving forward was easier now, with the fire. The tunnels twisted and turned, but the glow followed us. We seemed to be heading back up the ridge. Ipame cycled through a few more hymns, and we sang Christmas carols in return. After maybe another ten minutes of walking, we saw, quite literally, a light at the end of the tunnel. We emerged back on top of the hill, beside the fort, and Ipame was waiting for us. Back where we started, she said, cheerfully. Did you enjoy our merry chase? It had exhausted me, and I realized that was probably the point. Now, I believe you promised me some fun? She flicked her wrist, and Amede fell to the ground, twisted in pain, crying out in agony. Ipame walked over and nudged him with her boot. Funny, that's rather like the sound your mother made when she died. You bitch! I cried, shocked. Remy didn't hesitate. He lit a match, ran towards her, and set her hair on fire. I wanted to clap or shout bravo, but she put the fire out with another wave of her hand. Smoke curled out of her hair, and then Remy fell too, hobbled by something like vines or rope that suddenly wrapped all around his body. I'll deal with you two later said Ipame. She turned to me, just long enough to send me flying. I hit the wall of the fort. My head smashed against the bricks, my arm crunched, and I saw stars. The pain shocked me, burning from my elbow to my shoulder. I heard my own strange, low moan, as if from very far away. It sounded more animal than human. Ipame now refocused on Amede, the one she really wanted. She stood over him, where he lay writhing on the ground. You've always lived in fear of death, haven't you, little princeling? Fear of death at my hands. I think you'll find it comes swifter and softer than you imagine. I saw her, raising a hand. No! I cried, ignoring my pain ran at her and knocked us both to the ground. In seconds, she had rolled us both over, and she was on top of me. Her eyes blazed with fury, and I realized that this was where I died. I couldn't save Amede now. He would die without ever seeing his lover again. I couldn't save my brother. Our parents would never know what had happened to us. I would never be able to tell Hyacinth. I loved him. I had only one option left. I raised my trembling hand, still holding the railroad spike, and I thrust it into Ipame's arm with all the strength I could muster. I knew it was futile, but... She gasped and clutched her arm. You little... She didn't finish her thought before she withered away on top of me. I blacked out. Thank you for listening to Chapter 15 of Awake by Holly Gary. 
If you're enjoying yourself, feel free to leave us a review and share us with other book lovers. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Awake the Podcast. And you can follow Holly, the author, on Twitter at HollyGary7 and on TikTok at HollyAnnWriter. That's Anne spelled with an E. You can look forward to Chapter 16 coming out next week. In Chapter 16, Celestine makes a confession, and they continue the search for Auguste. Until then, happy reading, and we hope your week is fantastical.